you thought, uh, she could, you thought she that Bridget could, didn't watch movies? No, he thought that she doesn't watch movies and eat at the same time. No, 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 no. do, 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 what, consume any media more than once. This was like a big thing that Spencer was like, once she has seen, read, heard anything, once. I got a theory. Before Spencer responds, I got a theory. You guys ready for my theory? Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes Spencer will portray Bridget's preferences as absolute rules in an attempt to get around why he can do something. So if he, if there's something that he was supposed to do or didn't want to do, or like we're asking him to try, like if it's spicy food, like he will portray like, well, her, her, her preferences are absolute rules. And that way, if he offloaded on Bridget, we have to stop talking about it. Like we have to stop bugging him. Also, then later we can poke holes in it because obviously Bridget watches movies more than once. I mean, obviously she does, but he portrayed that as a rule in that conversation. So we had to back up and say, all right, well, he's not going to watch it. Also, as we're going to read soon on Mangum Reads, Spencer does tell two truths and a lie, and the lie is usually fairly overpowering. Okay, I think I'm required to deny all of these things because it will fundamentally alter our relationship going forward if I admit they're true. So we're going with (laughs) deny. Uh, And when it comes comes to movies, Bridget has a collection of favorites that she's willing to rewatch. But generally, BJ, like you said, she's not one that like, I can watch a movie I like a dozen times and still enjoy it. She is not that kind of person. She very much is, okay, I had that, I watched it, now I can move on to other things. So what's on her list? Uh, Well, Halloween is absolutely 100% her favorite holiday, so that helps in terms of criteria. So, like, Bewitched, uh, Halloween Halloween 2000. uh, What's the most recent movie, Spencer, to be added to that list? What is is the newest one? There's a good question. The newest one of a film that she'll be regularly willing to rewatch? I don't know. It's, if, it's, if it's new enough, she hasn't rewatched it yet. Um, <laughs> this, is the, this, this is the first one I've heard stop, about. Stop lowering this shit, Spencer, and just answer the question this, this to the best the of your ability. About, this is the first one I've heard about recently. Okay. All right. Well, I think we with that, we can... I think we should keep that in. I think all that should stay in. And this should just be where the pod is recording and going. So this is Mangum Watches. On this pod, we get the brain trust of Mangum talks together. We all get together, we watch a movie, and we review it. Well, up until now, we've been doing horror movies, so we're kind of like sliding past horror movies. Like we're just like on the third base, coming home away from that, right? To Nightmare um, Before Christmas, which is not a horror movie, not really a Halloween movie, but kind of is, right? It's like that, like it's like, like a link to that. Um, it's a Tim Burton movie. It's the first real legit Tim Burton movie that I know broke through the zeitgeist. Does anybody know? Is, is that is that right? I mean, it seems like his first real big movie. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, the one that like, I mean, I know he made movies before and he was kind of known in Hollywood, but this is like one that was huge. I think I saw on um, <clears throat> Wikipedia uh, grossed almost $100 million in 1993, which is monstrous. Huge. He did. He did Beetlejuice, right? <clears throat> Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands were before this. Those those, those started yeah. him up, but th- this was one that said, "Oh, he is you know th- this guy has range. This guy has art that he does." This yeah. is his appeal. I think this also set the tone for a lot of his future endeavors. Like this was like this is his style, whereas those were they had touches of it. Yeah, yeah, and that that's a great point, BJ. That's kind of what I was getting to. Is like, yeah, he did he did some like actual like. Um, like like movies where like he had actors etc etc but but this like stop motion claymation whatever thing that he did in this movie um i think this was the first one but he's done many since then right in that style i will say that i think that the the cultural temperature for tim burton has cooled it seems like his stuff really doesn't do as well anymore but i think that's kind of because he kind of found his shtick and stuck with it and this movie's almost 30 years old so like you know it's been around you know he you would think he needs to kind of evolve yeah. and change in order to continue to be relevant and he doesn't seem to have done that well his tropes and his style have gotten a little bit predictable he is, he is very much a vein that he's comfortable in, including what actors he likes to hire for his job um and so it's got a little bit old they all he's also been, been getting hired for films that just don't suit him like tim burton doing dumbo was a really weird call by disney for example that was strange. i mean dumbo's a well, at least the new one, they probably edited a lot of things out. But Dumbo was a, a tough movie. 
it, it's a tough movie. It's not one that you remember being, you know, directly accommodating to Tim Burton's style, period. So throwing that on a tough film where you're going to feel obliged to cut out most of the content anyway as being more than vaguely racist, it's going to be a rough sell of a film. Gist of Dumbo. Elephant that can fly. Is that it? Yep. That's the whole, that's the whole thing. You've never seen Dumbo? No. Heard of it, obviously, know, about, know of it, but I understanding <laughs> is that it's just a... It's just an elephant that ears can flap and it can fly. And that's the gist of the, of the bit, right? I mean, yeah, you could you could narrow down pretty much any movie in, in terms like that and be like, well, what's the point of this? No, that's not what I'm doing. I, I'm, I'm saying that there's no like actual story associated no, 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 with no, it. No, like there, Pinocchio, there's, there's the, the you know, the nose gets long, he becomes a boy. Like there's a whole story with this. I just feel like all there's I've a whole heard story is about, about you know, yes. being like captured and, and forced to work in a circus and, and a whole bunch of parents, laws. other things. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't like how I was teeing you guys up and you tried to turn me into Jerry Seinfeld. What's the deal with Dumbo? Like, I was just trying to like get you guys to talk about <laughs> what it is. And you try, yeah. Um, no, but we're not here for Dumbo. We're here for Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, I think we should probably give initial reactions. But before we do that, I do want to reveal something to the group that uh, we were talking. We shared a lot of text messages about what movie to pick today. And we had settled almost on Polar Express. And then all of a sudden I threw a wrench in it and was like, let's do Nightmare on Elm Street. And that's because I got a clandestine <laughs> text from Spencer's girlfriend. What? Uh, that told me that she really wanted us to do Nightmare on Elm Street to get Spencer to watch it. So, um, yeah. Bridget hijacked I, the system. I love this, that Spencer kept making this mistake. I made this mistake. I don't know if Levi made this mistake too, but we watched Nightmare Before Christmas and we've been saying Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nightmare, ni- yeah, yeah, yeah. Nightmare, <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas. You're right. Yeah. yeah Slasher film stuck in our heads. <laughs> Yeah, we did. We actually have reviewed Nightmare on Elm Street, though, uh, on Mango well, Watches. But yeah, it's I, great. Yeah, sorry about that. I, I, I think this confirms my prior statement that it's one of Bridget's favorite films. Then if she actually took the took the time to reach out to you directly to try to hijack the film we were watching. She did. And she timed it great. Right. Because I guess you were telling her, hey, we're thinking about these movies or whatever. But right before we finalized it, I got a text from her saying, if you can if you can get him to watch this one, it'd be great. He hasn't seen it. Yeah, I, I texted her that I would, I would. I just got my vaccine the other day, and I was like, I think we're gonna watch Polar Express. Polar Express. We'll see how it is. I guess she took that opportunity to go. No, I want to watch and, something different. And Bridget took that personally. <laughs> Apparently, I will say that it's an interesting comparison with Polar Express, right? Because both are old. This one's much older than Polar Express. I think it's like ten years older than Polar Express. But yeah, they both do a very uh, a type of animation that is. Uh, very recognizable to that film and polar express does not hold up well at all this one does like i i turned it on and i was finishing it this morning and sarah just walked through and looked at it and was like wow this looks really good for as old as it is like this 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 looks like it could have been released yesterday well it's stop motion animation it's truly timeless it's a it's a format that's been pioneered for decades beforehand it really honed up and this film does some interesting things with it i was kind of surprised how well done it was in that regard meanwhile polar express is early 2000s cgi there's only so much you can do with that. Well, right, you say it's well. timeless, but like Wallace and Gromit and stuff like that, it, it isn't timeless. Well, Wallace and Gromit is a style unto itself, and you either like it or you don't. It's just the Wallace and Gromit style. Levi's huffing and puffing over there. Levi, you don't think it held up? Uh, I thought it held up. I thought Polar Express held up. I think you guys need need to realize that, that you know, much like our, our grandparents' generation, like, idolized the, the West. They'd watch, you know, Westerns and, and people on horsebacks. That sort of got Still them do. off. Um, we're we're going to watch Polar Express when the robots take over and control all of us. And we're going to look back and watch Polar Express and go, that was a simpler time. That was a time when <laughs> when, when when robots didn't control us, when when technology was simple, um, when it was a little a little bit childish and silly. Um, I, I think we'll we'll have that that realization about 10, 15 years when when the robots take over. I mean, I like Polar Express and that's why I was pushing it. Uh, but I do recognize that like when you compare the CGI of that to like what we see today, like like kids growing, kids like are coming of age now, they probably see a huge discrepancy, right? In that film. Oh, yeah. And it probably like jumps off the, the screen to them as being very, very different. And what I would say is when this movie departed from the stop motion animation, it was not great. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, like the, the stop motion animation was impressive. Um, I mean, it, it, 
Mm-hmm. You know, I paused it like really early on and, and uh, Brie actually watched it with me, which she never does. I mean, not many people probably want to watch horror at uh, seven or eight in the morning on a Sunday morning. But this guy does. Um, <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas was was, was an acceptable uh, to her palate. And I was like, oh, you know, this is really impressive for stop motion animation. Uh, they clearly had a lot of people working very tirelessly on it. And she, she was uh, a, a little bit skeptical. And, and so, yeah, we looked it up and indeed it was. Um, and is this the highest budget stop motion animation? Well, Tim Burton's done several since I'm sure it's it kind of became yeah. his style. So yeah. I'm sure he's, be, he's, he's beat his own budget since then. Yeah. So uh, last night I watched the Kenny G documentary on HBO and um <laughs> We need to watch this as a group. Uh, this has to be our next Mangum Watches. This, this thing was unbelievable. But in it, Kenny G explains that when he listens to music, he can't really wa- listen to it for fun anymore. All he can all he can do is think about like, wow, it must have been really hard for the the artist to you know play that lick or do that recording or do it this way. All he can think about is how it was made. I really struggled with that in this film. Not that I'm like a filmmaker or something, but as I was watching it, all I could think of is like. God, it had to take forever to do this stop motion thing. <laughs> like how long and how tedious it had to be to get these shots is like unbelievable. Uh, I've, I've got numbers. Uh, budget on this one was 24 million. Uh, in the years since, we have now had stop motion go over $100 million in terms of cost. So is that because of they, they put in a lot more special effects and, and, you know, there's a lot more computer interpolation or is that just a... Uh, Inflation, yeah. people, hourly budget. Yeah, males be actors too. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Because the, like there weren't like big stars for the '90s in this. There were a couple of people that we've seen before in some films we've recently yeah. watched, like um, Jackie Allen is played by Chris Sarandon that we saw in a uh, Child's Play. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> most of the actors are just like you know exper- experienced Hollywood actors or experienced voice actors, rather than the trend more recently of let's hire really br- big names so we bring people into the theater, which massively increases the budget. Yeah, um, so, Marvel messing everything up. <laughs> Lee, to uh, to your <laughs> point, <laughs> do you feel the same way about like old uh, animation movies like yeah. Disney and stuff like that, where like everything's hand colored? Yeah. I do. I, I mean, I, I'm not saying I can't enjoy it. I can, but yeah. it, it does cross yeah. my mind many times when I'm watching it. it almost takes me out of it. Like how difficult it had to be to do. Um, I just really identified when Kenny G said that last night. I was like, wow, like I do that a lot when I'm in taking media. Like I think like about how hard it had to be to do it. And sometimes I'll do that with books too, where like books have super complicated plots. And I'm like, how the fuck did the, the author connect all these dots and get all this to go? Um, and it takes me out of just enjoying it as like a user of it. But I think we should probably go to reactions of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do the leak. Let's go to Levi's it's a little quiet this morning. Levi, what'd you think of uh, this movie? Had you seen it before? And what'd you think on the rewatch? Uh, I don't remember seeing it before. Um, that doesn't mean I didn't you know, watch 30 minutes of it when I was eight. Um, but right. it, it didn't stick with me. Um, I, I, I had the same reaction you had, which is that this held up incredibly well. Like it, it, it looked good. Like it had a, a nice, unique style. Um, there were a lot of scenes that I'd watch and say, this just looks attractive. Like, this just looks good. Um, I did think during all of this, by the way, that this is possibly the most antithetical decision uh, choice for a Christmas movie that I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was just, <laughs> I, I, I was sitting on the couch fuming, just like, do these people not know what Christmas is? Jesus Christ, we have Santa to learn appears. them. Like, it's on oh Christmas. My. It's I mean, in the title, but it's not a Christmas movie. I am right Clearly, there we need to go with Die Hard. And, not a, you know, that, not really I hate yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's about it, family. Well, it had to be like my normal flip-flopping self to you fellas because I was like on text telling you, we have to do a Christmas movie. Like, and I like the ones that make you feel good. That's like Christmassy. And then I was like, oh, sorry, pivoting. We need to do Nightmare Before Christmas. I mean, like, it is cutesy. It is. It's about finding yourself. It's about finding love, establishing relationships. And it's directly centered around Santa and the holiday. Checks a lot of Christmas boxes. Nah, it's not Christmas to me. Now I will tell you that that so I started watching this. Um, Sam was was away uh, yesterday. Um, she was making some some food with her mom, um, and I started watching this movie. And like thirty seconds in, they started singing, and I was like, "Well, I gotta stop this. Gotta watch with her. She likes musicals and shit." Um, 
and and she did like it um now we watched it late at night we started watching maybe 8 30 so um she fell asleep after she did fall asleep um but uh, uh, overall she gives it a thumbs up i give it a thumb thumbs up i i, I liked it um but i thought this is really not christmas like i, I think that the frame of us trying to transition from halloween to christmas fair enough i'll, I'll give you that one uh but this is a horrible christmas movie. uh bj what'd you think it was a fun movie. Um, I I love that back in the day, movies were not two, two and a half hours. And I know this is another shot across the bow that you want to give to Marvel Lee, but it's great that it was, I don't know, 90 something minutes, give or take. Uh, officially 76. I mean, I, I, I'm yeah. taking shots at Marvel to mess with Levi, but I th- all movies are doing that. I mean, Star Wars yeah. did it. All, Lord of the Rings was super long. I mean, all of the franchises, Fast and Furious is even over an hour and a half now. All these franchises just extend and extend. And I, I don't yeah. really know why. Um, um, not like they and I like more. The- it's not like it's a, they, can, they can sell like a, a higher priced movie ticket, right? Like, I'm not sure right. what it gets them to make these longer movies, but they all do. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no worries. I think it's, I, I think it is partly that. I think, that, well, I, th- I think it is partly padding so they can justify that, oh, we're giving people a bigger experience to pay for the increased ticket prices. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like I thoroughly enjoyed that this is a relatively short movie. It's sweet and to the point. It doesn't like, I feel like if it was much longer, I would have gotten a little bit more bored because there really isn't a lot of story. Um, and <laughs> there really isn't like a lot of like, there isn't a lot more there and I feel like it was the perfect amount for, for what there was and it was fun. Uh, yeah. So, so thumbs up. I don't know about no story. Um, Spencer, this is, I'm, I'm finishing with you because that's the, it's the coup de gras here. We, we, we picked this because your girlfriend wanted you to watch it. One of her favorite movies. What did you think? How's the curmudgeon doing over there? It, it was a delightful surprise. I mean, I would have lost money that this was a Disney film. When the Disney logo popped up at the start of this, I was caught off guard. Cause that, that, from what I knew about the film going in, because I'd never watched it, that didn't seem to perfectly square. But then it's very much an early 90s Disney animated musical. It, it is, it's drawing hallmarks from the same you know, general musical style of like The Little Mermaid during that period. I wasn't expecting any of that. It was really well done. It had incredibly creative art style and uh, stop motion animation. Very creative setting in terms of what the world and the world building is. Agreed. Uh, well done voice acting. The music was actually good. I mean, some of the songs are better than others, but some of these songs were really catchy. Mm-hmm. The BJ, like you said, the fact that it was short was delightful. That is so rare now. This is practically like short film length at this point. Hour and 15, um, yeah. But it, that was a delight. It did make for a, what I felt was a rather abrupt ending of where, BJ, like you said, it's got a plot. But once essentially things go to hell, the film just says, okay, I got two minutes to wrap this up and everything just finishes. I feel like they were just sick of moving those little fucking things around. <laughs> That's perfectly possible. And they were like, God, we, we have got to figure out a way to end this. So, so we, we get Jack basically saying, you know, I screwed up, but I tried, but now I'm invigorated to do Halloween better than ever before. And then Rescue Santa, done. Everything just wraps up really quickly, which felt a little jarring. I think I could have a few more minutes put there at the end. But overall, I'm disappointed in myself. I didn't watch this earlier. This was a wonderful film. It was very well done. It had a lot of heart and a lot of it's one of the more unique films I've seen recently. So, yeah, strong recommendation. It felt to me like someone who really liked Rocky Horror Picture Show making a film within the guardrails of Disney. Like even like the, so the musical aspect of it, right. The, mm-hmm. the Gothic, like sort of trappings, you even have one of the main characters is sort of like a cr- creation of a mad scientist. Sure. Um, so there's a lot of like parallels to Rocky horror picture show within it, but they did keep the Disney guardrails on, right. It is a, it is an uplifting story. There's not cuss words. There's not sex. Right. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it still works. I, I feel like we had different experiences for Rocky Horror to like make that connection. But it's an interesting connection. In Hold on, of- how how could how, how are you not connecting that? I mean, it's a it's a musical, it's gothic. What what what's the what's the concern here? I, I it's not so much a concern. It's just like I I I wouldn't have put those two in the same grouping, having experienced Rocky Horror as as a show more than a movie. Okay, 
that maybe that makes sense. Yeah. And I wasn't necessarily saying it's exactly like Rocky Horror Picture. Yeah. I was saying that somebody, it, it was clear to me that Tim Burton liked that style, probably liked that movie. But I mean, he wasn't making that film. He wasn't yeah. making a comparative film. He was making a Disney film. He was making a kid's movie. But there were just some elements that were taken. Yeah, I mean, I guess to me, this is more like directly referencing Frankenstein. But I mean, I get the... Which Rocky Horror was doing too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They're all drawing for common roots. And if we had to put money down about whether Tim Burton is or is not a Rocky Horror fan, that, that seems like an easy oh, bet. Oh, yeah. Minus, a, minus 1100 on that one. Yeah, for yes. Uh, I mean, that's a big that's a big yes vote. Here, here's a question about audience, though. I'm curious about this. This is a Disney film. It's a Disney musical, and it's released mm -hmm. in the same period of the Disney Renaissance. Would you describe this as an appropriate film for children? Yes. And define, so what age group? Define child, yeah. I mean, the yeah, age it, group matters. Um, so there is some dark imagery in here. There's a lot of death and zombies and all kinds of other things. It, it's, when it's, you say death, like nothing dies. There are a lot of the dead walking about. How about that? Yeah. Every, yeah, but like they show like zombies and werewolves and stuff to kid like really really young kids. I mean, there's like a whole like like shtick show on 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 the Disney Channel, which um, I watch when I go and visit my uh, niece and nephew. Um, that's all about the sort of interplay of like a teen drama of of, of zombies and 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 werewolves. Um, I mean, for ages, I mean, I don't know, six six or seven or so, maybe. So I'd be curious. If this originally came out of what people went. Oh, this is the new Disney musical. I'll take my you know toddlers to go see it and whether they regretted that experience or not. It's not, I don't think any aspect of this film is particularly scary, and I don't think it's trying to be. I think it's working with a horror setting, but not really going for horror. But I mean, there's some imagery that's a little bit, at least give me at least give me the imagery is more than a little bit macabre. So I would go this way earlier than Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Well, sure. Who, yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was actually horrific in parts. So, but, but that was definitely advertised like as a kid's movie. And I remember... I vaguely remember seeing it, and I, I know I was pretty young for that one. What, also, the sexual themes in Who Framed Roger Rabbit are there. Like, that's a key aspect of the characters. There's some nudity yeah. in it, too. There's a brief moment of nudity. Um, I mean, I, I assume kind of like Shrek, it just sailed all over all our heads, but... Um, well, I'm struggling with this question, Spencer, because I was just even texting you last night. Uh, we routinely get, me and you, uh, reviews from people particularly women who complain that we on a podcast talk about women characters and it's always the same fucking horse shit of two men talking about women is so cringy. Well, we're five, four people here without kids and we're asking, <laughs> talking about is this an appropriate kids movie? So I guess somebody could leave such as another dumbass review like that. Um, I, uh, I struggle with it because there are parts of it that seem scary uh, the imagery does. It's not what they're saying or doing. It's just what it looks like, right? Mm -hmm. You said Todd, mm -hmm. bring it. You you actually said, and I don't know if it's a turn of phrase, but you said bring your toddler to it. If you're sure. truly bringing someone three, four years old, they probably will. Some of them probably might get freaked out. But if if they're old enough to like intake the the meaning of the film and the themes and the dialogue, like I would think it's pretty much any age group, right? It's a pretty uplifting message, I and mean, nothing nothing really like nasty happens. So I don't know. Um, as someone without kids, so people can say I'm not allowed to speak on the subject. Uh, it seems like anything maybe over five, six is all good. I think it's very kid dependent. I mean, it's it's sort of like do are like the bugs and the bats and and other things like that horrifying or like oh gross. Um, yeah, it, it's very I mean, Halloween fixtures. It's it's kind of what kind of Halloween experience are you giving your kid at what kind of age? You're letting them dress up like a zombie or whatever else. They're going to fit right in and appreciate this because it's just it's very much working with Halloween tropes, which is appropriate. I mean, did you did you play Doom as a you know four or five year old on your parents' lap? Then you know this is a hundred percent up your alley and perfectly fine. Yo, yes. <laughs> I don't I don't remember a time in my life I wasn't watching horror movies. I was allowed to watch them right off the jump. Levi. I will say the 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 tail end or the very very end where they 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 uh, kill Oogie Boogie like that uh, uh, unraveling yeah that's that's like a, a scary scene right like when you're, you're you're actually dismantling a person even if it's comical and, it, and it's cute and it's got this veneer of, uh, of of attractiveness I imagine that would scare a kid um, also but, it showed that he had nothing he had no substance inside of him yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I I understand the theme. I'm just saying that in terms of like a, a mechanic of like actually basically peeling off someone's skin. Yeah, um, yeah I get you. I feel like scary. there's always a, a scary bit to pretty much every Disney movie. Um, and 
this was sort of the one that was in this one and and it, it was done in sort of like a I think of an a child-friendly way. I mean, yeah, it's sort of peeling off the skin, but it, you know, it's a, it's a burlap sack. Um, it, it, part, part of the reason I'm bringing this up is that this got some negative press at the time because of, you know, negative images for children, whatever else. But honestly, I find a lot of the other Disney point. films that were occurring to this during this period, having more scary or horrific imagery or even just characters than this really did. The Here's a question. Oogie Boogie, I guess what you technically say is the villain of the story, but he's pretty irrelevant to the plot. Is the villain really Jack and it just makes a heel face turn by the end of it? Yeah, I think I don't know that he's the villain. I think that the the, the enemy here is misadventure, right? The enemy yeah. is doing sure. something that you don't mean to do or Dr- what driven you know. by Jack. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, he, he means well, but the, but the enemy is like unintended consequences, I guess. Not it's understanding like- the uh, other people's culture. Like he, like he doesn't understand like what the culture of Christmas is, but tries to to do his best. To, it's a film uh, about cultural appropriation. Right? Oh my yes. god! Yeah, if it came out today, Fox News would be running chirons on this thing. <laughs> so I took it as a, a a different read. I I I read this as um, there's a firm and that there's a high performer. There's there's a superstar, rock star at this firm, and he's sure. bored and decides to venture out and try to experiment. And everyone goes along with it, even though they should be telling him, "Hey, know your role. Just keep doing what you're doing." Um, so this okay. is really about this is really about management principles. Um, <laughs> is the way that I this is Michael Jordan going to play baseball. Yeah, you need to you need to tell your high performer, hey, calm down. Mm. I, I I get it. You need to 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 explore a little bit, but you're actually just going to ruin things. Um, why don't you just stay in your lane? So, so Spencer, both you and I need to uh, keep management out of out of our lives and our, our zeitgeist because I feel like every pod now we're, we're leaning towards, okay, so what did we learn for our management style <laughs> from this media? It's half managers on this podcast, PJ. You, gotta, you have to deal with it. Um, do we want to talk about the plot? I guess we've kind of covered it. I mean, basically, uh, I'll just do it in super broad strokes. Um, sure. So maybe it'll spur some conversation. So Jack uh, is a very popular character in Halloween Town. Spencer talked about the worlds. There's basically these fantasy worlds of the different um, holidays. And in Halloween Town, Jack sort of runs Halloween and he's getting bored with it. He's getting disenchanted with this, the monotony of Halloween every year. He stumbles out into a forest. There's a magic tree that sends him to Christmas Town. He gets there immediately, gets super interested. He comes back to Halloween Town. He wants to really like examine and study Christmas, which I thought this was a really funny part of it, where he's like, let me see if I can get in the lab, like cook up something. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've he tried does... dissolving Christmas ornaments, but I get much weirder looks from my neighbors. All in that in that cocaine that you're feeding all those mice. Mm. Um, and he uh um yeah, uh then he I hate when I t- I hate when I tell a joke and I don't get anything from BJ. Like it's an audio visual. If you don't like it, boo. <laughs> if, you, if you like it, laugh. But the, the nothing. Look at the thumbs nothing, up reaction. It does not. nothing for the audience. Like if you know something. Uh, in anyway, he he's doing the um, he's doing this like sort of experiment like experiment stuff, and he's looking at it. Then he decides, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to take over Christmas this year. We're going to do it. We're going to make it better gonna make it better gonna gonna uh take all, all the stuff we know from halloween and, and and put it on the to christmas to make it better and then he has these this little trio of like trick-or-treat folks what are they called boot scoot boogie Hort short something there's like it's like a three name thing for him it, it, it was it was just about lock stock and barrel there it, it is lock, stock, and they, barrel. they, they changed one of the names and pulled yeah, it out. that's what it is yeah and they go they they capture santa which would be a big deal in Christmas Town, I would imagine, if you Santa gets taken. And shock, uh, Sh- lock, shock, and barrel, lock, shock, and barrel. They're, yeah, they're, and they're, that was like a. Are you a guy? And they come fan? back. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, and they come back, and they Jack starts planning for Christmas. He basically divvies, divvies out a bunch of chores for everybody of stuff to do, which I thought was really funny. All this different stuff that the Halloween people had to do related to Christmas. And I love I love how none of them ever get it, but they are supportive. Their friend wants to do this, and they're behind him. They have no real clue at any point with why he's doing this or what's really going on now. Yeah. So things get a decided Halloween influence because that's their bailiwick, and that's what they keep turning to to make this work. Anyway, he goes out. Jack goes out into the real world, which I thought was an interesting twist that they introduced the real world here to go do Christmas, right? And it's not accepted. 
uh, they, people don't like it. They're scared. They're freaked out. And I think the military shoots down his sleigh, which was pretty funny. <laughs> they're using 88 millimeters to blow his sleigh out of the sky. It's lovely. <laughs> so the other thing that, that I noticed here that I, th- I feel like they were trying to reference something and I just didn't know what it was, is the policeman always, his face was blocked. Mm-hmm. And that seemed like super intentional and super like, this yeah. is something that everybody should know what it's referencing. And I just completely well, whiffed on it. Well, they didn't show any adults faces, period. It was, it was very kind of Charlie Brown, where the only, faces okay. they sh- the only faces they showed were of kids. And I think that, w- that was intentional. Because even when the, like, the kid shows his parents what he got as the gift and he holds up the, the you know, voodoo head, yeah. the parents are off frame. So it felt like I was harking back to that kind of Charlie Brown style of the adults are only, only vaguely connected to what the experience of the day is. Yeah. And uh, he ends up in a graveyard uh, when he's shot down. People in Halloween Town think he's dead. Uh, a character that I haven't mentioned yet, our little Frankenstein uh, love interest for Jack. She uh, at one point goes to try to rescue Santa and she gets captured herself. They yep. all think they all think that Jack is dead. Jack makes his triumphant return to save his his love interest and Santa from Oogie Boogie. And that's the death scene for Oogie Boogie that we talked about with the pulling of the cord and all the bugs coming out. Mm-hmm. And then Santa, um, for reasons unknown, doesn't seem to hold a grudge. He's pissed, but he's got but no like, time to really. focus on this right now. Yeah. <laughs> Jack is on his naughty list now. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's got still, a job he's, to do. Like it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's Christmas. It's you, gotta, you gotta step up. Gotta he step says, up. "Look, I can still fix this. Like, let me let me go. I'll still fix it." Uh, so he does, and then I get. I, th- I guess the moral of the story here is that he Jack now returns back to Halloween Town, and he's reinvigorated with Halloween. He's excited right. to do Halloween again, but he does get a snow. Uh, he's given a snow from Santa, I guess. And that uh, I, th- I think that gets to what he was hoping to, I don't know, I guess, hoping to get from the, the Christmas experience, but nonetheless, he figures out it's one of those things of like, he goes out, he does a journey, he comes back and now he can be, he can have more gratitude about the life that he has after this experience. He, he now is more appreciative of, of the existence he has in Halloween town based on this experience and interaction with Christmas. Town. There's no place like home. Uh, you hit one of the things I found most interesting about the world building of this is that there's a real world. And yeah. it, it, it appears to be that the various holiday-focused sub-worlds can interact with it in their own certain ways. Christmas world seems to have the most direct interaction of where Santa is a fixture in the world that people know about. Like, the reporting is about Santa and how Santa's been hijacked when Jack's flying over and dropping his zombie presents for everybody. Sandy Claus. Sandy Claus. But it's interesting to what that implies about the other worlds of where Halloween world doesn't seem like it directly interacts with the human world, but by just existing, it, it like encourages the holiday on, on a certain time of year. We also see. Hmm? I was just going to say it remind that point. That's a great point. And it reminded me of Monsters, Inc. In that in Monsters, yeah. Inc., there's that sort of reveal, maybe a third of the way through the film or whatever, that there is a real world mm-hmm. and that the monsters interact with the children in the real world. Um, it, that's a similar sort of reveal there reminded me of that. Well, it, it leads to really odd implications when it comes to the other worlds because we get to see that there are plenty of others like they at one point mistakenly kidnapped the Easter Bunny who was adorable yeah. um, and we, well we see the doors from, so we, we start do. out presumably in the real world with the the doors or that's fairly early on with the doors in trees yeah. that have like oh, different okay. labels on it and like we go into the pumpkin tree yeah and we see that all of the classic Western world holidays are represented there. Some yeah. of which would be kind of horrifying if you like ponder out, like, is Thanksgiving just a giant feast or is it turkeys just actively fearing for their life in terms of going into that world? Um, <laughs> I, I, what would that be? I don't know. But it seems like for most of the worlds, they don't as directly interact with the human world. They just kind of, on their day, they throw a massive shindig and that translates into the human world, maybe to a certain degree too. Mm-hmm. But Christmas world is very much a fixture. Santa is a well-known figure in, in, in human world. And his absence, I love that the military directly intervenes to snuff this problem quickly. I mean, NORAD's yeah. been tracking Santa for, for decades now. That's They've exactly what it reminded me of. Yeah, my dad was in, in law enforcement when I was a kid. And he, he was a captain in his district. So he had just a bunch of people reporting to him. And he would always... And now that I'm an adult, I think about what a pain in the ass it would be, but he used to get all of his lieutenants to like report on the seat, like the radio. Well, we've got him going over Hertford count, you know, go for tonight. We've got him going over Edenton tonight. Like, Aww, and they cute. would all like, and so I'd be sitting there listening to the radio and all of his lieutenants would be reporting. Sam. Like, it just kind of reminded me of that, how like 
what you just said, BJ, like that oftentimes we get like the reporting from the quote military or police or whatever, where Santa is. Well, um, so the, actually the, that's a really heartwarming thing. Like, like I, would other kids listen to it or is this probably yeah. just for you? It, well, dad was doing or is it for it me. A thing in Elizabeth City. Dad was doing it for me, but um, when other kids would be uh, over, sometimes, rarely, I would have kids over on Christmas Eve. Right? People often wanted to be with their family, but sometimes I would, and uh, yeah, they would they would listen in. But he, my really dad had all, like he had like a, all of it, like a lot of people doing it because he had like a like a five or six county area, and he would he would have like a a, a map that he'd written out of Santa's. Um, journey right across the counties and then he would have his different lieutenants like report in at certain times to show that exact flight pattern um i talk a lot of shit about my dad but he, sometimes he did really cool shit and that, that was one of them that was a nice thing well here's a question this is a musical there's a lot of a lot of songs in this i think more time is spent singing than actually is talking throughout throughout this film this is mm-hmm. halloween did did you have a favorite song or did you have a favorite style whatever else uh, when it came to this the first one this halloween was your favorite line? yeah that was catchy. That was a good one. It's real good. Um, I also like that it's a play on Here Comes Santa Claus. Like it, it it's a, you know, just yeah. a, a short turn from there that oh, they did. That's good. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's good, BJ. And But they did a lot of spoofs on that. And, and I think it was a creative way to do the, uh, the songs here. Um, and also kind of really nice and funny that they had like a little band that would play a lot of the songs that they were yeah. doing, which I, I again, like lots and lots of work. Oh. I, I like when they introduce justifications for the music in the world. It's like, no, no, no. There actually are people that are playing these in the world. You've met them. Catherine O'Hara played Chuck. I didn't realize that. <laughs> She's kind of a big deal. She is. Um, Levi, Levi, do you like the song? music? Uh, eh. uh, the first song I, I liked, but I mean, this accurately describes 75% of the music that I like. Uh, it was sampled in a rap song. Um, there's like a rap mix, how it rap mix, and and, nice. and 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 that song was there. So, I, so when it first started, I was like, "Oh, I know this one. Uh, this is pretty good." Um, it's going too long. It, can, it, can... it needs to be just a sample. I look at where, where we, are they going to get to the. the we need four bars to loop. We don't. We don't need to have it keep going. Uh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I, I, mean, I thought it was, it was fine. I'm, I'm not I'm really not a musical guy. Like it just doesn't speak to me at all. Like there's not any affinity towards it. So it's catchy and pleasant. Um, so Terry, uh, what I'm hearing though is that we need to like Freedom of Information uh, Act uh, your father's like time and time with law enforcement to figure out how much money was spent. Um, <laughs> entertaining, throwing the magic. No. Salar- salaried employees. So it was all it was all it was all fixed fixed salaries anyway. And it also raises for me like I, I really I, why is NORAD spending spending money on Santa Claus? This is ridiculous. It's good like, PR. It, it, it's like flyovers and football games. It you know it, it's all of those things. It is national pride. It is good PR. You want you want those kids to grow up and be like, oh, maybe I'd like to work for NORAD and tracking Santa. It's the drop. It's the drop in the bucket argument that you can you can pretty much use to get anything passed uh, that you want to fund. So so BJ, that's really funny that you mentioned the flyovers. Uh, <laughs> at sporting events because they pay for this they, they pay money for all that like that that came out a few years ago um it, it may, may have been closer to five or six I, right there um, i don't think yeah. they pay cost for that though like they they pay to do that the, the military pays for the privilege to do that then? yeah okay yep. yeah mar- they do marketing for them right yeah it's uh yeah the, the nfl sucks it's amazing that they charge for that but um yeah, it's always the drop in the bucket argument, right? It's like, well, it, it cost. It costs. We we do this all the time, my employer. Like, yeah, you know, it's five million dollars. What's five million dollars to a four yeah, trillion dollar budget, or whatever the fuck it is? We're monitoring everything anyway. We're constantly watching this, guys. What does it cost us to add in an addition that just you know, like you said, effectively indoctrinates children early into the concept of accepting us? I was just thinking um, up like how how like my, one of my dad's lieutenants, like maybe like a new hire, and he's like his first Christmas. <laughs> And my dad's like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm gonna need you about 9.15 to hop on the hop on the radio and say that Santa's flying over your house and here's the script. And he's like, what? <laughs> so yeah, my son's gonna be listening. Damn it. I expect this to happen. <laughs> I, I would hope that you know the other police officers got their kids involved in it too. It's like they know, did, yeah. Some of them did for sure. You you would you would you would imagine so. Um um, on the on the music front, another song I quite liked was um, I don't I don't know the name of it, but the song where Jack first arrives in Christmas Town and is so damn excited and just keeps on going. What's this? What is this? What is this? What is this? Uh, yeah, that, that, 
that was cute and all of a lot of excitement to it. Just also in terms of like changing music tone, I like that Oogie Boogie has a completely different sound compared to all the other characters. He's really jazzy in a film that isn't. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so you raise a really good point there. So I was scanning through the um, Wikipedia article um, uh, on Nightmare uh, Before Christmas, and not surprising that there are people who think Oogie Boogie uh, is a is a racist character. Um, let me tell you the quote from uh, the director. Um, I think these are some of the most inventive moments in cartoon history, in no way racist, even though he is sometimes a villain. We went with Ken Page, being being the voice actor, who's a black singer, and he had no problem with it. Simpler time, boys and girls. Where you the say, black, black guy black guy was cool with it. He signed. We had a black guy well, sign off. We had a black I, guy do it. It's okay. <laughs> Call it a day. Well, I, I, I didn't I mean, I interpreted it. It, it, I mean, it, 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 it harkens to a particular genre of music, but I thought the main connection was is that he's a voodoo doll. And so it's going back to, you know, Louisiana jazz in terms of that style. I thought it was it, more for it is, and it's fine. People are it's, just stupid. It's perfectly fine, but I just laughed at the fact that like that would never fly. You cannot yeah. utter that statement nowadays. We um, heard a black guy, it's fine then. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, all right. So that's the plot. Uh any other thoughts on Nightmare Before Christmas? Um, I thought like the the romance felt very weird. It yeah, felt very stilted. It felt required rather than really done anything with. Yeah. And and I'm I guess I'm sort of beginning to see that more and more in movies where the ones that say we're not going to do that if it doesn't make sense, I I respect a lot more. And this feels like Disney always has to have that. That seems like a, a requirement for all if you're gonna be on Disney, you have to have some sort of romance and and I, again like I really appreciated that it was short, but like they had things in and there wasn't plot to back it up. Among the relationships, the one I found more interesting because it was really kind of dark was the relationship of the Frankenstein girl with her master, with her creator. Of where they spent actually a lot of time with that and that's yeah. twisted in all kinds well, of You're pushing me again. Please don't do that. <laughs> that was the more, that was the most adult probably theme of the a part of the plot right is that yeah. the, almost like sex slave territory yes. um yeah and he and, and then that's he what reminded me one to like push him around in his wheelchair yeah, that was like super weird that's what reminded me of rocky horror picture show you know the little the like meat yeah. puppet guy um that's the, yeah that was the connection i was making but it, that that was it that was interesting just because i hadn't really seen that in a children's cartoon before and they spend a lot of time going into how just twisted and dark it is so that I can't say it's a positive relationship, but that relationship was a lot more interesting than Jack and that and the girl. Yeah, just he just felt... didn't mentor her very well and into like what he was doing. He so... tried. He tried very hard. She just wouldn't listen. Yeah, we should uh, talk about maybe their performance check-ins and see uh, see how that that goes as a manager. Um, BJ likes this talk, and it's another joke I said where he completely ignored it and got quiet. Um, uh, all right, what are we gonna do next? Anything else um, on this one? I mean, I, I think. There were interesting tidbits. Um, what I found kind of interesting was this was like around the time where I feel like they were trying to go for a little bit more things for an adult audience. Sure. And they didn't they didn't really have much, at least to my eye, of like jokes for parents or whatever else. But it still was an enjoyable movie. Yeah, um, there weren't the end jokes, really. It, 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 yeah. Really, this this film is very streamlined. There's not much padding. There's not much extra here. It, you know, seventy whatever else minutes. It just needs to get done quick. Would you say it's bare bones? Some of the characters are yes, in more than one way. Yeah, good call. Um, you should have just got quiet when he said that joke. No, I don't do that to people. Just get quiet. Uh, <laughs> Give them the <a> medicine. <laughs> um, I, I, I BJ keeps going back to, or we all keep going back to the time, and I do think that's like so refreshing hour and 15 but hour and 15 do we do we call that like a full feature film because i always felt like the threshold was an hour and a half do we do we consider this a full film or like more short film ter territory it, it's on the kind of cusp but it, it all at this length you could make it a double feature with the current film lengths and you would be fine yeah leave out how about you about what um spencer calling out a double feature like we're in the 1930s um <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you've seen some double features. The exist. Well, who's this the last would one? be Tarantino was the last one to do that, right? He did Tar that with yeah, Roadhouse. Tarantino's Grindhouse double... famously messed with it. Yeah, that's the only one that I've ever seen. This that's a quote unquote double feature. Yeah, um, like where where do you stumble upon those? At drive-ins. 
Did you read about him in books? Is that where it came from? No, I did go to the drive-in and, and, and see a Marvel movie. So I, my experience at, at, at drive-ins is very different than you guys. Oh, how was the, out. How was Marvel at a drive-in? Do you mean how was the experience? Yeah. Uh, the experience got a little weird because um, it started raining um, like 75% of oh. the way through. Um, oh, and spoils are fun. And so it got, it, it got a little awkward. Um, but um, it was – Shang-Chi was still fun. Um to watch wasn't as good as the first sort of phase of the Marvel movies, but it was still pretty good, even though I did watch it through a uh, a front windshield that was having wipers go across it. DJ was <laughs> talking about our difference in watching Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I think he I think he was really spot on because I watched Rocky Horror Picture Show in a drive-in, so like I can't, it can't be like more different yeah. than the communal theater experience where people yeah. are like interacting around you, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was what? really focused, hyper focused on the movie. I'll tell you how dumb I am because when you said. Rocky Horror, Horror Picture Show, like, oh, did be just that I, wa- I watched it in a theater. And you're like, yeah, I watched the movie. I immediately thought, like, my first reaction was, it's not a movie. It's an in-person thing. <laughs> oh, you thought it was like a play. Yeah, it oh, is. Funny. I well, mean, it is and it isn't. That's well, I mean, funny. like, I've only seen it once. And I and I, I went with our buddy Josh to, to, to a movie theater where they were playing it and then doing all that little crap they do around there. Um, yeah. <laughs> And there's a lot of crap they do around there. That's little, exactly little crap. Of what happens. Little, little crap, Spencer. And uh, <laughs> people are having fun, but it is a lot of faff that's thrown around that experience of watching that thing. Little, little crap. And I just, in my head, I had coded that as, as basically a theater uh, a performance, not a movie, even though I, I realized intellectually that I watched a movie while this was going on. Um, it was just so funny to me. I, I did not even catch that myself. I didn't. I, I was. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of not wrong. I feel like I Lee's experience it. at this point is like the weird experience, right? Agreed. I think so. Agreed. I need to yeah. watch it the way that you've, you guys have watched it. I need to watch it with the sort of in theater with the whole dress up. And I think I mean, it's like we, mid- midnight showings, right? Is that the big thing? Yeah. I mean, like it, it, it's stuff like that. It's the quintessential midnight showing film. Yeah. I, I don't, you'd have to find something kind of specific because I think it'd have to be a real like really sort of community theater thing because I think a lot of them are like college productions and you're too old for some of the things that go on there mm. with the company there um mm. yep but uh, I will say by the way guys I, so in reading through the Wikipedia article uh, at the very end they have a lot of categories they have these drop downs that categorize these things right this is a, a Disney theatrical sure, animated feature um one of the, the categorizations was Disney Christmas films. And inside of the theatrical features section of that list Home Alone. And I saw that and got obscenely upset this morning. I was like, that's absolutely not the case. That is not a Disney movie. Uh, and I drilled into it. And Wikipedia <laughs> apparently is including uh, Disney's acquisition of 20th Century Fox as, oh, come on. That as a Disney movie. No, and I thought that that is it's un- not how that works. That's unfair. That is. Well, it, it's like it's the question, right? Is Star Wars a Disney movie? No, it is now. By, so, that, by that definition, it is now. I say so. No so my favorite joke about that is that now Klinger is a Disney princess. Who? Klinger? Yeah. Who's oh, that? well, yeah. From Mash, <laughs> uh, Klinger is wearing a dress. So sure. Yeah. I, I got nothing on that one. Um, well, yeah, here, I don't I don't know. Here's, a, here's, a, here's a, wrapping things up. Last, we'd love to ask this about films we watch. What would you change? What would make this better? We said it was streamlined, that there's not much meat on the bones. But is there anything you think could have been done better that you would alter about it? They need to get rid of any of the CGI. Like having absolutely no CGI would have been. Which CGI are you focusing on? I'm trying to remember where there were really a couple of like transition scenes between Halloween and Christmas where they had uh, CGI instead of stop motion animation and they were clunky. Um, And there are just like a couple of other things like that. Uh, But I mean, for me, I think the main things are. explain have a little bit more of the relationship between sally and jack because that was just bare like, but token yeah i think it was more yeah. she just loved him from afar sort of thing um i don't uh, i don't get the whole musical thing like, it just makes it <laughs> makes the plot hard okay. to follow you can't change that oh, can't on. change that um, no, fail no, if you do that. Levi, we're gonna Out. make you watch south pacific and then and then you, you'll you'll hate your life and really go to a uh, this makes absolutely no sense. But I think that the other thing for me and, and we talked a little bit about this is the it, it had almost a Wizard of Oz character of like what was the point of all this? Learn to appreciate what you got. Find that way. To, find that way to be motivated. 
and like and the like the finale of all right jack walks in frees santa claus and everything's fine was a little uh disappointing dana moi i mean as usual i think spencer nailed this right two seconds into the pod he usually does this like uh it 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 could have been longer because the ending was abrupt like it was just sort of fast but um i don't know i mean I, I we all talked about how how refreshing it is to have it be shorter but this film could have been a little longer and it wouldn't hurt anything you could have got it to an hour and a half for me and i would have i would have liked it a little bit more of a landing for the finish how so much that, man it's pretty darn good so how, how how much time would you spend moving clay uh figures to 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 lengthen this movie <laughs> Were they clay puppets or combination of both? I, don't both? Know. I thought they were puppets. They had Jack Skeleton and freaking eyebrows that moved every now and then. So there has to be something that's adjustable in that regard. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure they got sick of it, but it, it could have been a little longer. But other than that, I mean, I think it's a pretty well done movie. I, I, abs- I could not disagree more. The, the musical part is what makes this much more entertaining. I mean, that, that is a big part of this movie, having, having the songs in it. And the songs are well, well done, well written. Yeah, but based on where it ends and what the last thing it focuses on, the last thing it focuses on is was Sally her name, BJ? I didn't even know. Yeah, was Jack. I, I had the the captions on. Um, yeah, so they, they share a kiss over the the moon the moonscape, whatever else, and then the film ends. And you know his realization that you know she's always been there and in their form, and the, that all really feels like the kind of the point of it. And as you said, given that it's not developed that much, it's a weird note to end on. I think they could have done like they could have done the horror movie slasher thing of setting up a sequel. Like right at the end, wouldn't it have been cool if like Jack turned and like somebody in the town was like, "Have you heard of Day of the Dead?" Dot dot dot, and then like boom, like there you go, smash. Cut another end. holiday in the mix. Yeah, or he goes back out in the forest and you see like the Day of the Dead like uh, like stuff on a tree or something. He's like, ah, there you go. I, I, I'm curious to go back and look through that scene of what the other holidays were. So it seemed like it was interesting priorities. Where there's not, you know, uh, international holidays like Day of the Dead, whatever else. But St. Patrick's Day makes an appearance. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a very St. Patrick's American Day, centric, yeah. Valentine's Day, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Halloween. I think were the what we got to see, and it's very like okay, it's American, like oh. uh, as American holidays as you can get, basically. I got to tell you, Day of the Dead seems to me to be about the coolest holiday that Americans don't celebrate that we should. That one's solid. In terms of cartoons that focus on that, have you seen Coco? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But I, the reason I think of it is I got some somebody on my team now who's who's based in Mexico and he was telling me like more intimately about like what happens in that celebration. It seems like a pretty cool thing. Mm-hmm. That could have been a cool sequel, Nightmare on Elm Street or Nightmare or- uh, Before Christmas. There you go. Eh, but it's got, it's got, I mean, Coco itself has elements of a sequel anyway, because it's an entire animated film about skeletons and dead people walking around throughout all of it. It's got, it's got comparative hallmarks. So what do we, what do we grade this film? Oh, what, a- ABC or out of 10? ABC. Ah. Uh, One, two, three. I give it a B. Maybe, maybe even verging on a B plus. I think it, 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 there's things I, th- I thought could be changed to improve it a little bit, but I think it's very unique, very memorable and very successful. Levi. Strong B. Um, nice. Not not big on musicals. The plot was uh, almost non-existent in terms, in terms of what's going on, but it was just so damn beautiful. Like, it was just a very, very pretty and, like, unique style that you just drew your eye to it and you saw it and you're like, this is amazing. This is, this is really, really gorgeous to watch. It is. You bring up one last question I have after we get uh, BJ and Lee's ranking. Um, so, so uh, yeah, I, I would agree with a solid B. Um, I, I think that there were you know, again, plot things and resolution things that could have been improved. Um, I enjoy the musical part of it a little bit more. I, I feel like they phoned it in on a lot of the later songs. Like the first song was really good. And then like it, it, it was, there weren't any other real standouts. A gen- general downward trend, even if there were a few that perked things up again. Yeah. And and so like when you're going to do a musical, I feel like you need at least one other standout yeah. uh, that, that you spend a lot of time on, like put a bit more effort in um but i really enjoyed it and actually it brought to mind like other really unique style movies um and i wonder if spencer's going to go there um but like a little ways in uh Coraline was brought to mind because that was a, yeah. another like really unique kind of cool way of presenting a movie um, which, 
Cor Coraline, yeah, it's other stop motion animation done by a different studio, but that's another great film. They've done a lot that are good. I checked it on that one. Coraline had a budget almost three times this in terms of the amount of money you can put the stop motion animation. Yeah. I'm going to give it a Wait. B plus. I, okay. I'm, I'm with Spencer. I think um, it could have been a little longer. Plot could have been a little bit tighter. They could have potentially been a little bit better. To BJ's point, I thought which was a really good one. A little bit better pacing with where you put the the songs, the quality of the songs. But overall, it absolutely accomplishes what it what it needs to. Holds up spectacularly well to be as old as it is. I feel yeah. like it's a film that like a uh, uh, hundred years after I'm gone, I think people will still be watching this movie. I think it's just going to hold up for a really long time. I think this kind of animation style and you know the quality of the craft lends it well to be pretty timeless. Um, what holiday it's associated with, we can debate to no end, but it seems like one thing we're all agreeing on is that one of the best things about this is the style of animation, that it's very unique and as, as well as you know the general world it's built. I'm curious, did you have a favorite character design? Because they're all very unique, they're all very separate, but is there one that you felt like was a standout or the one that really resonated with you? Uh, BJ, anybody you liked? Um... Yeah, like as you're asking, I, I was trying to to like figure out who I, I really enjoyed. Um, I, I think that there were parts of, of Jack that that were really entertaining, um, that there was sort of a little bit more there and he pulled out his like one of his rib bones to throw to his dog. Yeah, um, I do feel like that's sort of a, a lazy answer. Um, so I will go with the mayor because I really like that he fun. was two faced. And, you know, he had like the, the pleasant face that, that was like the, the glad handing face. And then like the, the maybe meaner freaked out face of, of, of like the, it, that was probably like one of the more adult jokes that we got there, that the mayor was two faced and like, was so. yeah, how he would like flip back and forth. So that, that's probably my, my vote. Yeah. His two states were, you know, happy, pleasant, and kind of, you know, just airy. And then pissing himself in terror that he had actually had responsibilities or whatever else to do. He would just rotate between those at various moments. Um, one I'll throw out that I found just interesting, very probably one of the more horrific was the doctor, the one that uh, made Sally, of where he's got this, he's wheelchair bound, he's got this weird duck toothy mouth, and he's yeah. got an open metal brain pan that every now and then just touches or takes out to put into different little things. It's probably one of the more horrific, horrific of the character designs and was pretty unique. Yeah, I don't know. I BJ described it as a lazy answer, and I, I know why he said that, and I, I don't necessarily disagree. But I do think, for me, it's Jack because um, because of they how they made his limbs, mm. because they were able to have that character like sort of pivot and swirl around the screen um, in certain times because he had these really long legs and really long like bony arms um, that he was, uh, he was able to capture the whole screen in a very interesting way by himself. Mm -hmm. So like the way that they did that character allowed for a lot of like singular scenes that were still visually interesting. So, uh, I think the bet, probably the best thing that I saw them do as far as the characters like design and execution was, was with Jack. Sally was interesting too. You know, they had that cool scene where, her hands save Santa, her, her leg entices the guy. Like, I mean, you know, that they, they do some sort of interesting things with the fact that she's patched together. Uh, mm -hmm. That was, that was pretty her. cool. So if I did do an honorable mention, I'd probably say her, but, but ultimately I, I was most captivated whenever Jack was on the screen. I thought it was interesting. Like now, like the thing, the various things that they were able to do with Jack, like having him sort of wander around more like a spider and you could yeah. really see it. Mm -hmm. That's um, a you good, got yeah. like mm -hmm. Slenderman vibes every so often. And, and just so like, he was surprisingly malleable for, for like what the character design was. Yeah, like mm -hmm. a spider. That's a good, that's a good way to describe it. Levi, any favorites? Uh, there were fun elements of Jack, but I, I could not get over um, first starting to watch this movie and going like, this is such a hipster body style. This is not healthy to you need to eat some more and like work out. <laughs> you, and, like, you, you need to have more body positive characters in this. Where, where all good looking our, people, in my opinion, uh, healthy at every size vibes going from this movie. Um, actual people. So, I mean, outside of that, like, uh, offense to, to to trying to make sure people don't have body body dysmorphia. Um, zero is obviously great. Um, I mean, it was, it was a very interesting way to present a dog. Um, ultimately, right, a ghost mm -hmm. and a dog together in a way that just is like weird. Um, I had never seen that before. It, it frustrated me that like I immediately got ran uh, 
uh, Rudolph the the red nosed reindeer vibes. Like as soon as like he came on screen, but yeah, they, they they weren't hiding what this character was going to be used for. Yeah, sure. Sure. I was I was surprised. I was like, oh yes. <laughs> The glowing red nose, page one, didn't, didn't didn't give you a hint. I'm not trying to overanalyze these movies, Spencer. I'm trying to live uh, in the moment and experience them. them. I understand exactly. You guys are too much in your own head. <laughs> that is so true. Yes, thank you. Yep. So there you go. That is Nightmare Before Christmas, Spencer. You now can tell your significant other you've watched it. You liked it. You gave it a B plus. Very high B+. grade for Spencer. Would you watch it again? And also, has this supplanted Ravenous as our highest rated uh, movie now? Mm. I don't know. I have to go back and check the math, but it's probably pretty close. Our average is really high here. I think it might. Yeah, this may be our best rated review, best rated uh, film we've watched on this. But yeah, I would totally rewatch it. Uh, we'll see how many times I can convince Bridget to do it. We'll test what her limit is on rewatch of even something she likes. <laughs> I feel like it's a good Halloween movie, or uh, sorry, a good Thanksgiving movie. Shooting the gap there, in right in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. Main main disappointment: we didn't get to see the other worlds. That would have been a trip. But in terms of what we want to watch next, I think we're I think we're on a run of somewhat odder Christmas films. Do you, any guys have any recommendations? I felt like we went through about twelve when we were slowly coming to this film. I don't know. I feel like we'll figure something out. Actually, that would be if Disney did what Pixar did. Like those would be really good shorts. I still oh, think seeing the other worlds. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I still think that. Um, I still think that. Uh, what you call it? The the, um, Polar Express would be a good one. I agree. I agree. I'm down. Uh, okay. Line the witch in the wardrobe. Also, now you're not, pushing back. Not a Christmas movie. Beowulf. It, it is. Santa Claus shows up with with all their weapons. Like it, it has to be a Christmas. Much like uh, we should not be a group of men talking about women or people of uh, <laughs> folks without kids uh, talking about children. I don't want to listen to the Jewish member of this podcast going on about what's a Christmas movie. I'm sorry, BJ. Yeah, check say, him. Maybe you should listen uh, rather than speak. Um. <laughs> yeah, I can read the review now. Hearing a Jewish guy talk about what Christmas movies are is so cringy. Two stars. <laughs> Religious appropriation. Okay. <laughs> we'll work out what we're going to watch next. We'll post that. We'll enjoy watching it and hope everybody will too. Absolutely. As always, enjoy being around you fellas. Enjoy chatting with you. And thank you all for listening. This is Mangum Watches. You can check out any of our other pods by going to mangumtalks.com or going to your favorite podcast provider. Type it in M A N G U M Talks, Mangum Talks. Till next time, see ya.